0: Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, we now know what Project Hattrick was all about, as Sheets has made it official, a multi-million dollar distribution and food preparation facility is coming to Findlay, bringing with it hundreds of good-paying jobs to the community. We'll learn more. Also this morning, with students heading back to class, the Children's Mentoring Connection is in need of dedicated volunteers for their school-based mentoring programs. It's a little bit of time to make a big difference. And it's time to enjoy the cooler days as we transition into autumn with September events from the Hancock Park District. Michelle Rumschlag will tell us what's happening. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition. For Tuesday, August 29th, Twenty twenty three. So among the first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day, as we're just waking up, I thought this was important to share. Uh, researchers have collected data on 11,000 nights of sleep. Now, it's interesting the way they put this. Uh, it's a sleep study. 11,000 nights of sleep. So it's not like they uh, looked at 11,000 people. They looked at maybe 1,000 people over the course of 11 nights or whatever it might happen. I don't know. I'm just throwing that out there. So 11,000 nights of sleep total. Maybe they looked at uh, uh, two people over the course of 5,500 nights of sleep. I don't know. Anyway, they they collected this data, and they found that older adults – tend to sleep best at temperatures between 68 and 77 degrees Fahrenheit. So, if you've ever wondered what is the ideal sleeping temperature somewhere between 68 and 77, that's pretty wide range, actually. Um, I can't imagine trying to sleep if it's 77 degrees in my bedroom. I i, I could not. It's, mine's. I, I've got to be on the, the lower end of that. As a matter of fact, it's kind of interesting, my wife and I, and we did this a couple of years ago. Uh, we decided to, even though our home has central air conditioning, we got a window air conditioner for the bedroom. So that we can, because we both prefer uh, very cool uh, temperatures to sleep in. Um, we sleep best when the, when the room is quite cool. And so with a window unit, we can crank that up. And we don't have to cool down the entire house in order to uh, sleep well. It actually uh, saves us money. It's kind of weird <laughs> having having a central air unit and then a window unit, but it works well, and it uh, uh, actually is. Plus, then in the morning, when you get up and, and you start going about your day, the entire house isn't freezing.
1: <laughs> you know,
0: When you walk out of the bedroom, it's a little more comfortable. Anyway, uh, sleep efficiency, the study goes on to say, tended to drop... As the temperature climbed, uh, Dr. Amir Benasadi says these results highlight the potential to enhance sleep quality in older adults by optimizing home thermal environments. (laughs) Love the way they love the way scientists put things. And to optimize your home thermal environment in order to optimize and enhance your sleep quality. Because sleep needs differ it may help for couples to sleep in different rooms which again fortunately my wife and I do not have that issue where uh, we have as you know, we both prefer a cool room so not a big deal in our uh, case but it may be for you and your significant other if you can't agree on a temperature they say well maybe sleeping in different rooms and that is something that more and more couples i guess are doing these days other ways to get a good night's sleep include avoiding late night eating Avoiding alcohol, and oh, although usually when I drink alcohol to excess, uh, I have no trouble falling asleep. That's, that usually puts me right out. <laughs> you can avoid alcohol or you can drink so much that you pass out. One or the other. Uh, that'll get you there. And uh, refraining from caffeine in the late afternoon. That's the other thing. And I find that as uh, the older I get, the uh, less I can tolerate late day caffeine. It used to be no big deal to me. But now uh, I'm a little older and that's that is a big deal, so. Anyway, kind of interesting there. Um, in case you're uh, waking up this morning and say, I just didn't sleep well. well. Now you know how to fix that. Um, speaking of research, new research has found that now this, I i have trouble believing that this is legitimate research, but it is out of North Carolina State University, NC State. A study, a research study has found that climate change may have tourists altering their travel plans. In this study, they found that two-thirds of the participants in the study said that they would or might change their travel plans by the year 2060, <laughs> depending on how severe uh, climate conditions become. <laughs> Who out there is planning their travel for the year 2060? <laughs> who's who's? planning their travel for 40, or what, 35, 40 years from now. I mean, come on, honestly, I don't know, 35, 40 years from now, I might not even be around. Um, who is altering that? Well, I'm going to have to change my travel plans for the summer of 2060. Come on. Uh, this, uh, the team surveyed 188 tourists who traveled to visit the cloud forests of southern New Mexico, and seventy percent of those surveyed would change the length of their stay due to climate change. Um I guess the point of the study was to uh you know, wake up the tourism industry and ask them to join the fight against climate change, because they're basically what they're saying to the tourism industry, travel and tourism industry is you have something to lose here. Uh, that uncertainty uh, surrounding climate change means you could potentially lose a substantial amount of your clientele 35 years from now. I don't know. I, I just don't know that that's, <laughs> I mean, is this something we should be wringing our hands over? I mean, ultimately, yeah, I guess, you know, it's you know something to be concerned about. But as of right now, I'm not, I'm not changing my plans for 2060, not yet. Um but they do say book early, so I guess. <laughs> um speaking of of research and surveys that yield questionable results, uh, this isn't necessarily questionable, but it, it kind of give me gave me a chuckle when I saw this. According to a new survey of Gen Zers Gen Zers and millennials, young adults. Um <laughs> of Gen Zers and 58% of millennials look at their phones while they are cooking. (laughs) Um, Let's see here. Uh, Millennials spend more on groceries. Gen Zers are less confident about cooking for others. Um, These are these young adults are looking at their phones when cooking (laughs) And the survey goes on to say three-quarters of all respondents in the survey report occasionally burning their food. <laughs> no kidding, because you're looking at your phone while you're cooking. <laughs> that Again, research from the file of, duh, looking at your phone while you're cooking, you're going to burn your food. Don't, don't do that. Stop doing that. Uh, some of the other most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. You remember... Uh, I think we were talking about this yesterday at West Point. They had this big to-do yesterday morning opening up a time capsule that they found this past spring during the renovation of a 19th century monument. So they're renovating this monument, and they discover a time capsule that was, I guess, inside the monument, like in the base of the monument. Nobody knew it was there. They had no idea what they might find inside. It dated back to 1829. That's when the monument went in. So presumably that's when the uh, time capsule was buried. And they made made a big deal about this. They're going to open it up yesterday morning at 1030. Who knows what they could find inside? Uh, And it turned out to be nothing. Silt. That's what they found. Just a bunch of silt. Maybe there might have been something in there at one time. But if there was, it's long gone and it was just dust. So... The only thing they were missing was Geraldo Rivera. So, (laughs) uh, let's see. So, I just wanted to, it was a a very anticlimactic moment. I wanted to follow up on that. Over the weekend, speaking of anticlimactic moments, over the weekend, 200 volunteers were at the famous Loch Ness in Scotland searching for Nessie. Uh, they had a, a group of a couple hundred volunteers searching for the Loch Ness Monster uh, that has been rumored to exist for generations. While some of the volunteers claim to have heard strange sounds coming from the lock, <laughs> their recorder was not plugged in to document the noises. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. That's... <laughs> oh, I heard noises, but my on it, my... Recorder was not plugged in. Yeah. Uh, Alan McKenna claims to have heard four distinctive gloops. Uh, We all got a bit excited, he said. We ran to make sure that the recorder was on and it wasn't plugged in. Aw, shucks. Organizers of this event conceded that the glooping noises probably were ducks (laughs) or geese or something like that. Volunteers uh, in this project were given different sections of the lock to explore. They came in with underwater drones, flying drones, but uh, they didn't get anything on tape. They didn't get anything recorded, and poor weather uh, made the search difficult. So still no definitive answer on the existence or not of the Loch Ness Monster. Even after all of that. And by the way, speaking of things uh, happening over the weekend, this is kind of interesting. Uh, new, set a new Guinness World Record for the longest Philly cheesesteak sandwich. Uh, this is at the Main Street Grill, um, operated, operated by Happy Days restaurants, uh, orchestrated the record-breaking feat uh, with a whopping 722-foot almost 720 foot long Philly cheesesteak outdoing the existing record by nearly 73 feet. And, um, and where was it? not in Philly, uh, not anywhere close to Philly in Lewiston, Idaho. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Cause if you think Philly cheesesteaks, you think Idaho. So at least you do now, by the way. Uh, and this is kind of interesting I bet you didn't know this. The previous record for the longest Philly cheesesteak sandwich was held by an Ohio bar and grill, the Steak Time Bar and Grill in Ohio. I don't know where in Ohio, but how about that? I had no idea that prior to this, Ohio held the record for uh, longest Philly cheesesteak. We need to get on this and get the record back. There you go. Uh, Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started.
2: WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek, Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly to mostly sunny skies expected today with a high in the upper 70s. Just a few clouds tonight, a low in the upper 50s. Another big economic development get for Findlay as Sheets Convenience Stores announces that it'll be constructing a new $150 million facility in Findlay that'll house additional food preparation and distribution functions as the company expands their footprint into new markets.
1: Findlay has become a job hub over the past 10 years, with over 25,000 employees commuting into Findlay during the work week. Sheets' salary and benefits package will attract quality team members from all over Northwest Ohio's robust labor shed.
2: Dan Schaefer, Director of Finley-Hancock County Economic Development, says his office is very happy to have played a role in attracting the project and looks forward to seeing the positive impact that Sheets will have on the area. Get more on our website. Health officials say COVID is still out there and cases are on the rise in Ohio.
3: New state data shows 5,300 new COVID cases confirmed in the past week. That's 1,000 cases more compared to the week before.
2: Ohio Health Dr. Joseph Costaldo from our team of experts explained what this new COVID variant is all about. The concerning thing about BA286 is that it has many more mutations and we really don't know how it's going to behave. I'm Lindsay Mills. Chopin Hall's Mobile Food Pantry in conjunction with the West Ohio Food Bank will be holding a food distribution at St. Andrew's United Methodist Church in downtown Findlay. The drive through food distribution will be held on Thursday at St. Andrew's Church at 120 West Sandusky from 2 to 3.30. Get more information on this food distribution and other upcoming events from Chopin Hall and the West Ohio Food Bank in the story on our website man who served as Ohio State's wide receivers coach will have a new role on the sidelines when the Buckeyes open the season this weekend. Brian Hartline will walk on the field as Ohio State's offensive coordinator for the first time. I think the uh, the ability to open up my my viewpoints and, and see different things different ways and, and have opinions in areas. Um, I love the staff. I love the way we communicate. Our efficiency has been awesome. The Buckeyes kicking off on the road at Indiana on Saturday. I'm Adam K. Don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. So now our cover story
0: this morning, we now know what Project Hat Trick was all about. Sheets finally made it official yesterday. A multi-million dollar distribution and food preparation facility is coming to Findlay, bringing with it hundreds of good paying jobs to the community and Economic Development Director Dan Schaefer is with us in the studio this morning. So uh, this is a very uh, unique facility or it sounds like it's going to be a very unique uh, facility, uh, not just a distribution center, but a food preparation facility. So that kind of caught my eye.
1: Hey, good morning, Chris. It's good to be with you again. Uh, Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, This is not traditional distribution in the least. It's really an advanced food production facility uh, with distribution components to their uh, new market opportunities in uh, Michigan, Ohio, and Indiana. And so, uh, yeah, it's very exciting news. Uh, It's a project we've been working on uh, since the end of uh, last year, and so uh, it's coming to fruition. Uh, there'll be some closing contingencies involved, but uh, yeah, we're we're encouraged by the. By the progress,
0: and uh, with that, uh, because this is not your uh, typical distribution uh, center facility, there you know this other uh, component. I thought it was also interesting in, in announcing this that uh, the emphasis was put not only on the number of jobs that will bring the benefits uh, to uh, area uh, to the area, but also to the agribusiness
1: uh, community. Is that
0: because of the food preparation aspect of that?
1: No, I don't think that entirely. I think it's really an opportunity for them to expand their market into the Midwest, although to your point, um, it it does help us diversify our local uh, economy, which can be traditionally automobility manufacturing, advanced Mm -hmm. manufacturing and distribution into the agri-sector, into the food production sector. So uh, like Hearthside Food Solutions in Macomb, Manel Milling uh, over in Fostoria and Hamlet Protein uh, here in Hancock County, Finley, uh, it really allows us to expand that sector uh, of our market and the economy.
0: Um, so uh, where uh, specifically uh, is this? I know it's uh, going to be near, what, east of uh, the Lowe's uh, Distribution Center. So, so if so. you're standing
1: uh, in front of Lowe's Distribution Center, it's the property exactly adjacent to the east. Okay. It actually would touch their property. Okay, So uh, technically, uh, Township Road 99 to the north, Township Road 212 to the south, County Road 230 to the east.
0: Okay, Um, and we were just talking a little bit before we went on the air. uh, Does this mean that we're also going to get a sheets location somewhere uh, in town in the future? And you point out that those are actually two different sections of the company, so...
1: They are, Chris, and and actually, in the last 24 hours, that's the primary question I've been getting. (laughs) Are we going to get a a sheets store anywhere nearby? Uh, uh, Stay tuned, we'll find out.
0: (laughs) So, uh, I'm still kind of uh, curious... The uh, Project Hattrick uh, moniker here, um, is, is there something more to this than just the, uh, the facility that was announced yesterday? I mean, why Project Hattrick? What is the uh, ex-
1: explanation there? Well, so uh, most of the projects that Economic Development works on, uh, going all the way back to McLean, which was Project Shotgun, uh, which was the Jakeway's shooting range, uh, they have a meaning behind them. Uh, and in this case, the founder of Sheets' grand, uh, granddaughters played field hockey. And, yes, you can have hat tricks in gotcha. field hockey, and one of the granddaughters okay. actually scored a hat trick in one of those uh, <laughs> so, one of those games. So hence. Uh, there was a brief, uh, yeah, bit of a connection. Um, although, to be, to, to be fair, uh, my, my office uh, knew the, uh, the company name way back at the beginning, so uh, we've been working very closely with them under a nondisclosure uh, agreement, uh, and working closely with the city and the county and the township, uh, state of Ohio as well, and regional growth partnership. There were a lot of hands on this.
0: Um it, it's kind of interesting uh in looking at the uh big picture there was a time when there was some concern about the the way economic development was was going uh in the community and there were people who actually expressed that uh too many distribution centers the dis- distribution centers was not uh was not the future uh that this was not a good way to put all of our eggs in the distribution center basket however uh it does seem like that has been uh, one of the uh growth areas the primary growth area in economic development and it has actually been a, quite a diversified uh group of businesses and companies that have come in with those centers in and around our area?
1: Well, uh, you know, distribution warehousing is a bit of a misnomer. Uh, anymore in the last 10 years, it's really advanced distribution, highly automated, a lot of technology, uh, and, and really high-paying high, high paying jobs. McLean, for example, is in the top 10 of companies in the region that, that pay income tax to the city of Finley. So good jobs, good benefits. Uh, but advanced distribution um, really kind of along the same uh, lines as Sheets will be, but obviously uh, Sheets is going to have more production capacity to it. So um, the other thing uh, regarding distribution, and if you want to pick on warehousing, uh, we have this road coming through our town. It's called I seventy five. Right. And these companies find us; we don't find them. So uh, we will work with everybody that comes to town. Uh, but in this case, uh, Sheets represents uh, a second generation company, well well run, uh, well organized, uh, and a community player.
0: So that's really not uh, a, a concern so much uh, now, uh, given the fact that it's it's a diverse clientele, that it's a diverse number of companies, and with the, the types of centers uh, that we're seeing.
1: Well, if I could even amplify on the warehousing side of it, when a, when a company like Ball Metal or Whirlpool or any of other manufacturers uh, add warehouse space, it frees up capacity for additional uh, production production lines. So it actually increases their capacity, which is actually a good thing.
0: Um, And as you mentioned, uh, in again, looking at uh, the the press release and the information that was uh, was given on this uh, facility, um, these are pretty good jobs uh, that are going to be available, and hundreds of them.
1: Yeah, so uh, across the board, uh, leadership positions, uh, food safety, food science, HR, uh, associate level, uh you name it um, the company has uh going to probably spend uh 2 to 3 million dollars on training um and actually attracting these employees from around the region uh and that's another uh question i get all the time where the where the workers are going to come from we have a very large labor shed in northwest ohio and approximately 25,000 uh, employees and associates drive into finley every day for good paying jobs and jobs that they like yeah
0: um and again to go back to that question of oh, is there too many distribution centers uh again at one time these were simply labor uh jobs moving stuff around with a forklift loading trucks and that kind of thing and again with uh, mclean now with uh, sheets you see, these are high-paying high, pay, high paying professional jobs. It is. It's not your
1: grandfather's old factory or distribution yeah. center. This is highly automated, highly advanced uh, facilities.
0: So what is the timeline here? I mean, kind of lay this out for us.
1: So uh, this quarter, uh, the decision on, on Finley was made, which mm. was on their timeline back in December of last year. Uh, we would expect some site work to be done, uh, some geotechnical has been done, some environmental work has been done in preparation for site work. I would expect, uh, actual construction to begin sometime in spring of 24, um, with operations launching sometime at the end of 2025, early 2026.
0: So uh, something to uh, really look forward to again with these uh, jobs uh, coming in and again uh, more economic development uh, here locally. We'll see the uh, ground being turned. By the way, speaking of uh, site work, ask you a couple of uh, questions on other things that are happening uh, here uh, locally. Of course, uh, folks, I'm, I'm sure you get these questions too. As people drive by and they see things going up and oh, what is that? County Road 99. Uh, that's the uh, RNL carriers uh, facility. That- that we talked about some months ago, and I, yes. I, saw, I saw an saw an l Carriers truck there. And said, oh,
1: yeah, I remember that. That's the funny thing. When a company announces that they're coming to Findlay, uh, where you work with a company, all of a sudden you start to see their, their associates. You start to see their, their brand, their trucks uh, on the road all around you where you never saw them before. Uh, when McLean came to town, you know, it seemed like you couldn't not see a McLean truck all <laughs> yeah. over town. So, yeah, that that's kind of the fun part of it. So, Aral Carriers will uh, open up operations uh, in November.
0: And uh, sometimes uh, the uh, amount of time between when a project is announced and when you actually see, you know, the the construction coming, I mean, there's a gap there, so you kind of forget sometimes of what everything is. Uh, and I'm wondering if that's the uh, the case on uh, Bigelow Avenue over uh, near Amazon and uh, ZF. Uh, there's uh, Big uh, building going
1: up there. So yeah, that's uh, uh, Robinson Investments. Uh, they're actually a member of my board. Um, they are putting up a what they call a spec building. So that's another spec, uh, hundred thousand square foot. But I, I've actually talked with one of the principals yesterday, um, and it looks like there may be another manufacturer uh, looking at that as a tenant. Uh,
0: and and talk just real briefly about that. That's how the uh, Amazon facility so started.
1: So the, 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 it's good point. So Amazon was a spec building by the same company, Robinson Investments. And um, Humble Robinsons, their partner in construction on both projects, and uh, it, it sat there for a uh, guy seems like a couple of years before uh, Amazon moved in. But the benefit to Finley, the benefit to our office, is that it got a lot of looks mm-hmm. from the region and from around the country. So Finley became more exposed as a result of that. To
0: and uh, obviously, there is a, a an attraction there for a company to come in and say, "Hey, we already have." Uh, this building that can be customized to what you want, you can get it up and running that much quicker.
1: Yeah, the leads that we see and the questions that we get are, uh, in fact, a hundred thousand square feet uh, is really on the on the low side of what some companies are looking for. But the primary driver is the location, North, northwest Ohio, and that pesky little road I mentioned running through us called I seventy five. Right.
0: Uh, And it doesn't hurt to be uh, close to uh, rail, uh, uh, the infrastructure in North Baltimore and so on and so forth. Yeah,
1: in some cases, rail is important unless you're a really large manufacturer like Whirlpool or Ball or or Val Group, which came to town uh, five, six years ago. Um, yeah, rail is important. Uh, we have a CSX mainline that runs through Finley mm. uh, and up to North Baltimore and the intermodal there is going to be doing more uh, trans uh, train to truck here in the future.
0: Okay. Uh, again, so uh, sheets uh, coming to town. A big announcement uh, yesterday and Economic Development Director uh, Dan Schaefer with us this morning. Dan, thanks very much for uh, sharing some of the de- details. We appreciate it. Thanks, Chris. <music> So, as of today, we sit at one week away from the uh, start of school for most of the uh, county schools, city schools... started a week ago and the county school's coming back uh, after labor day and with the kids heading back to class the children's mentoring connection is looking for volunteers for their school-based mentoring programs and stacy shaw is with us uh from uh, children's mentoring connection uh as we were saying a little bit earlier it's a little of your time that make, can make a big difference for a kid
4: Yes, absolutely, Chris. So like everyone else, we are getting ready to go back to school, and we are excited to do that again. We serve seven schools here in Hancock County uh, with school-based mentoring. So that's an opportunity for a young person to be matched with anyone from high school age up to retired folks. And they get together, as you said, a small amount of time once a week for Um, anywhere between 45 minutes to an hour either after school or during the kids lunch period and just have that other person to touch base with them on a weekly basis see how it's going um, interact have fun play games etc yeah
0: i was going to say uh what is involved in in the uh after school based or the school-based mentoring programs um i you know this is a little bit different than the uh, mentoring programs is in the traditional sense
4: right so it all goes back to building Relationships and connections. And so we still build on that in our school based program. We just do it a little bit differently instead of each match independently doing what they want. It's a little bit more group led. We have a case manager who plans all of the activities. Okay. We do character building things based on the leader in me, which are concepts and characters that the uh, students are already learning in the schools and many of the schools that we serve. And so we build upon that, but we build on that all through play and having fun. Um, And we also will bring in different community partners like the Parks District uh, and other places like that. The university, we partner with a lot. Um, So we mix in activities as well as just have some downtime to uh, simply play board games and connect.
0: So this is uh, really good for uh, somebody who feels like, uh, you know, I'd I'd like to help mentor a kid, but need a little bit of help, a little bit of... uh, uh, you know, like you said, other people will be helping with structuring some of the activities and it's not going to be all on you.
4: Right. A lot of times I'll talk to people and they'll say, I'd love to help, but I really don't know what I would do. And so we take that what would you do part out of that Mm -hmm. and make it really simple because we plan the activity and those activities as they're going on, again, build back to that relationship and that connection. So if, Jimmy comes down that day for his for his uh mentoring program and is just really having an off day. Maybe mm-hmm. he didn't get his homework done or he had something going on with a student. It's more important that connection and so that mentor We'll take, a, take Jimmy aside and say, hey, let's just chat and see what's going on. Yeah, uh,
0: and because that's the flip side of the question is, you know, if you're planning the activities and you're doing all of that, then what are the mentors really needed for? But uh, again, it's that one-to-one connection that you can make.
4: Right, absolutely. Our case managers are really there to jumpstart the activities, mm-hmm. to kind of give you something to do so that we don't have 45 minutes of people trying to figure out, oh, what do you want to talk <laughs> about today? It's... What would you like to do today? Yeah. So we give you that idea booster to get started and then it goes from there.
0: Yeah Uh, it's important to talk about what this is not Uh, you talk about what it is what it is not is like homework uh, help and uh, homework tutoring and test prep and that kind of thing.
4: Exactly so we're we're not a academic-based program from the standpoint of we're going to do tutoring after school Mm -hmm. um, once a week. Now, certainly children who may be um, struggling with a particular class or subject might talk to their mentor about that, Mm -hmm. and their mentor might give them some tips or remind them that, you know, you're not going to get a good grade if you don't put the time and effort into it and get some good sleep and some things like that.
0: All that good messaging.
4: Right, that good messaging, and that, um, but it's not... Um, Let's pull out your homework and and walk through the last three math problems that you struggled with. Mm -hmm. On occasion, we may, you know, a mentor may do that. Yeah, if a mentor is uh, comfortable with that. Right, right. But that's not what our main focus is. The main focus is giving that child somebody to connect with um, because we all know that our teachers are overwhelmed. Our parents have a lot going on. And so that's that one person that unplugs with them every week and sits and really active listens to what is going on in their world.
0: Yeah. Uh, so this program has really grown. You mentioned seven schools now are in, yes, involved? Yes, so we're, we're so. in seven
4: schools. So we're in the Finley City Schools um, in a couple of elementaries, as well as the two middle schools. And then we're also in the county schools of Arcadia, Van Buren, and Corey Rawson.
0: Yeah, so a lot of different opportunities. And uh, folks can uh, can pick where they are, are uh Best suited to volunteer, or whether you know where it works out best for them,
4: right? Absolutely. So, when a volunteer calls in and says, I'm interested, um, you know, this is the time that I have available, so maybe somebody's only available on Tuesday. So, we have three different programs on Tuesdays, okay, from during the um, lunch period to after school. So, they um help select which one of those programs works best for yeah, them.
0: You don't have to be in the district, no, then
4: you, you do not have to be in the district that you're serving. Mm-hmm. Um, And uh, or in the school that that you're serving. The only exception to that is our two county schools, Arcadia and Van Buren, are mentored by um, strictly by high school students and mentoring the young people because they're sharing a lunch and being able to do that. How cool is that
0: to get uh, other teenagers involved, other young people involved at uh, mentoring the younger kids,
4: right? Absolutely, it's um, one of my favorite programs because it's almost yeah. a program within a program. Mm-hmm. Because we get to see the high school students really grow in their um, in their own skills, and because again, a lot of it, we just start the we just start the activity. Yeah, but they're they're the ones that are there, and the really um, interesting thing is that the high school students seem to initiate that bond quicker. Um, simply because out of the gate, they have a lot of shared experiences, especially mm-hmm. when you're talking those smaller county schools. Right. They've had the same teachers. They um, And it gives the opportunity for the elementary kids to think about, oh, I could be involved in music because the high school student will share, you know, the show choir experience that they have yeah. or the sporting activity that they are or in the band. So there's a lot of that. And then also with our high school students, when they're involved in things outside, um, like we had a high school student who was a volunteer fireman as well as he was a high school student hmm. helping them. So we had him come and talk to the kids so that yeah. the kids can see I don't have to wait till I'm thirty to figure out you know and to to have that career. yeah, uh, I can start earlier.
0: That's really cool. So what is involved in becoming a, a school based uh, mentor?
4: Right, so um, so there obviously is an application process as there is for all of our programs, mm-hmm. but you can simply reach out to us by giving us a call um, at our office, which is four one nine four two four nine seven five two or you can go to our website, which is cmchancock.org, and there from there, you can click on the interest form and then we'll reach out to you.
0: I don't mean to put you on the uh, on the spot with an exact number, but I mean, how many mentors do you need to make this program work?
4: Well, last year we served around 100 kids in our school-based programs. Um, and so ideally it would be great if all of our kids had a one-to-one match. So yep. with our school-based, because it is in a group um, that we do have some mentors who will mentor two or three children, so mm-hmm. the more mentors that we have, the more individuality that we can provide each session. So
0: I guess the uh, answer would be you can never have too many.
4: Uh, that would always <laughs> be my answer.
0: <laughs> if folks are interested in uh, learning more about the program, how do they go about getting started?
4: Uh, just give us a call at 419-424-9752 or check out our website cmchancock.org.
0: And again, with uh, school starting right around the corner, now is the time to, uh, to do this. Uh, with the kids heading back to class again, Stacey Shaw from the uh, Children's Mentoring Connection with us uh, this morning, talking about their uh, school-based mentoring programs now in seven schools. That's really cool. And, uh, Stacy, thanks very much for dropping by. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. Got more information, by the way, at our webpage at uh, goodmornings.net.
1: You can find the link there. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oakes on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert.
0: Oh, the irony! A Chicago TV news crew reporting on a string of robberies in the city's west town neighborhood became the story themselves when they were robbed at gunpoint.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> happened early Monday. I don't mean to, I mean, being robbed at gunpoint, that's a pretty uh, unnerving experience, and I feel for the reporters, but it's just ironic that uh, according to a report in the Chicago Tribune, the reporter and photographer for a Spanish-language TV station in Chicago were filming a report uh, on a string of robberies in the early morning hours on North Milwaukee Avenue when three men wearing ski masks and brandishing firearms robbed the news crew. <laughs> Uh, They were approached and and robbed, according to the Vice President of News at Univision Chicago, Luis Godinez. Uh, Mainly, the uh, robbers got off with personal items, uh, but they did take the TV station's camera. The Chicago police identified the victims as a 28-year-old male and 42-year-old male uh, who were outside when the three men drove up in a gray sedan, and black SUV. After taking the items, the armed robbers fled... Uh in their vehicles, no injuries are reported and no one is in custody. So that's <laughs> And uh apparently they didn't get their report. They didn't get their <laughs> They didn't get an exclusive there though. That's <laughs> one way. Reporters like to report on the story. They don't so much like to be the story, especially in a case like that. But <laughs> Elsewhere in the broken news this morning, the odd and unusual side of the headlines. Police in Florida uh, broke up a scam where a couple of men uh, ended up pilfering more than a million dollars from Uber Eats over the course of about a year and a half by posing as both customer and courier. You see, this is the way the scam worked. Uber Eats provides gift cards to couriers who grocery shop for customers. You place an order on Uber Eats. Uber Eats then gives a uh, gift card to the person who does the shopping for you. And then when you pay Uber Eats, you reimburse them for the gift card. That they, right? So that's the way the uh, system works. The scheme involved one man ordering the groceries... The courier would use the Uber Eats prepaid gift card to purchase other gift cards for themselves. And then the first person would cancel the order. They ended up with all of the other gift cards that they could then use or sell. The two men allegedly carried out this scam at 27 different Florida locations, but they've been busted Like every brilliant plan was undone. Eventually. Eventually. I mean, if you do this a couple of times, you might get away with it. But they did this twenty-seven times. And finally, Uber Eats caught on to the scam. These uh, two men now face charges of an organized scheme to defraud and grand theft. Not messing around. Uh let's see. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, earlier this month, one Mark Washington was supposed to fly from Las Vegas to Cleveland. He didn't make his flight. The reason he didn't make his flight is because he was detained for having 15 and a half pounds of cocaine in his luggage. 15 and a half pounds 5 uh, Mr. Washington was arrested at Harry Reid International Airport in Vegas after uh, the TSA found six wrapped packages hidden in his clothes. He claimed, now, mind you, this is six uh, wrapped packages of cocaine weighing 15 and a half pounds. Mr. Washington claimed he was not aware of any illegal items. <laughs> he he claimed. That his friend packed for him. <laughs> he is being charged with trafficking and transporting a controlled substance. <laughs> oh, this isn't mine. This cocaine isn't mine. A friend packed for me. Don't let your friend pack for you, is the moral of that story, I guess. Mm mm-hmm. hmm. Um, Follow up to a, a story that we had. A couple of weeks ago in the uh, broken news in San Diego, that uh, story about the bike thief who (laughs) entered some guy's uh, garage, uh, went to steal a uh, $1,300 e bike, one of those, um, yeah, those battery powered uh, electric bikes. $1,300 bike. And as he's leaving, he got attacked by the dog, uh, the homeowner's dog. Not in the way you might expect. It was a golden retriever who walked up to say hello, as golden retrievers do. They're everybody's friend. The thief actually stopped and uh, spent about a minute giving the dog kisses and belly rubs before he uh, eventually made off with the bike. Uh, The thing is, the uh, dog distracted the thief for such a long time that they got a good look at his face on uh these home security camera and now they've made an arrest he initially got up uh he he initially got away with it but uh thanks to an anonymous tip after the after his face was uh, posted on social media a 42 year old man has been arrested they didn't give his name but uh he has now been (laughs) arrested and uh as for the golden retriever we know his name is ace and the san diego police are on record as calling him a very good boy. (laughs) So that crime has been solved. And a couple of other items here in the uh, broken news. Uh, This is crazy. In California, Torrance, California, the Del Del Amo Fashion Center Mall, police are investigating reports of a huge fight at the mall involving... 1,000 teens. They're estimating 1,000 kids were involved in this fight. Can you imagine? Uh, it apparently apparently, there was a, a fight between a couple of individuals and then it just grew and grew and grew. Eventually, a thousand teens were involved. It was so big police from six nearby agencies had to be called in to help Torrance police with crowd control. Uh, no reports of injuries, and so far, I don't even know if anybody's been arrested. But they're looking into it. And can you imagine a thousand kids fighting at the uh, at the mall? I didn't even know that you could find a mall with a thousand kids at the mall anymore. <laughs> I mean, thirty, forty years ago, I could believe that, but uh, I'm having trouble imagining even a thousand kids being at the mall at one time. And finally, in this day and age, and finally in the broken news this morning, another dog story, and this from the international file is kind of uh, interesting. A real estate escapade in Iran is making headlines uh, because apparently someone sold a home to a canine named Chester. It's a real estate uh, deal. The dog bought a home... Iranian media had a field day reporting this canine condo caper. After a video went viral, footage showcases a childless Iranian couple waving goodbye to their property as they sign over ownership to Chester, who seals the deal with an artistic paw print on the purchase contract. The dog bought the condo, according to uh, news reports. While the specifics of this transaction remain fuzzy, it apparently is legit. It legitimately happened, and the authorities are uh, certainly not amused by this whole thing. They have uh, pounced on the situation, resulting in the arrest of the realtor involved and the closure of his company by court order. Iranian deputy prosecutor, uh, Iranian deputy prosecutor general Riza Tabar, uh, says that the sale of an apartment to a dog is an act with no legal basis and attempts to normalize the violation of society's moral values. So, I guess that's a fancy way of saying they're going to void the sale. There is a here apparently you can't sell a piece of property to a dog in Iran. Man, what a backwards country. You can't sell your property to your dog? Man, what is this world coming to? I'll tell you what, no wonder they're considered a third-world country. <laughs> There you go. That is uh, today's broken news report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming.
2: Hello, I'm Jerry Stewart. There is truly nothing better than a good story, and my new Labor Day program is full of great stories. It's my all-new program, The Hope of America. It'll make you laugh, make you cry, it'll make you proud to be an American. Join me here for this holiday special, Labor Day morning at 9 on 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. Please join me.
0: And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics... ...that shape our lives. So the fair starts tomorrow, and what is it that we look forward to at the fair more than anything else? The food, of course. I think that's most of us uh, get really excited for all of the foods, the elephant ears, the french fries, the funnel cakes and tenderloins and all of that. Well, a new poll from thetakeout.com has unveiled the most hated foods in America. So I thought this was uh, kind of interesting... Um, 50% fully half of Americans in this poll say that they hate, absolutely hate anchovies at the top of the list. Anchovies, the most hated food in America. Um, let's see here. 45% say that the food that they hate more than anything else, black licorice, black licorice and uh, 41% say oysters, So those are the top three, Uh, anchovies, black licorice, (laughs) and oysters. (laughs) The other most hated foods in America, and I don't have the percentages on these, but this is the rest of the list, beets, blue cheese, okra, capers, Brussels sprouts, fennel, olives, mushrooms, Cilantro, coconut is on the list, pickles, among the most hated foods in America. Pickles and mayonnaise uh, also made the list. So some of those are just uh, stunners to me. I mean, I'm not surprised at anchovies, black licorice, oysters, the top three. I don't know that I would necessarily put those at the top of my list of all of the, the, the foods out there that those would be the most hated but it's certainly not a surprise they make the list but uh, some of those mushrooms now I don't like mushrooms but I'm surprised that enough other people don't that it actually makes the list of most most hated foods in America uh, coconut, pickles, mayonnaise and of interesting some of the uh, foods that we absolutely can't stand you know what doesn't make the list deep fried Oreos <laughs> Getting into the Labor Day holiday weekend, usually I think most of us uh, consider this the end of the summer season, the beginning of fall, and meteorological autumn begins the 1st of September, so there is that. Time to enjoy the cooler days as we transition into the new season with September events from the Hancock Park District. And Michelle Rumschelag is here to tell us what's happening. First of all, uh, the last weekend for the uh, Zonta landing boat rentals.
3: Yes, so we're open all weekend, so Saturday, Sunday, and Monday Monday. on Labor Day will be our last day. Um, Because that's a
0: summer thing, and summer is coming to an end.
3: Right, like you said, meteorological, meteorological Summer, yes. Yeah. Technically, we still have till later in September. Right. But by, right, everybody else is going back to school after Labor Day. <laughs> everybody, and Everybody, all, yes. all
0: us normal people uh, consider this the end of summer. So, yes.
3: Though the temperatures, I mean, if we're going to have, no, hopefully this is our last... Heat, we were talking about next
0: this week, and we were, then we were talking about this yes. off the air. You remember when the when Findlay City Schools went back to school uh, last week? Yes, uh, we had those ninety degree days. So Mother Nature, I guess, is saying to the uh, county school kids when they go back to school, <laughs> right. you should get in on the fun too, and oh, yeah. giving us another uh, few days of ninety degrees. So
3: right. So for those people, yeah. yeah, and it starts like Saturday. So this weekend. So yeah, if I mean, there's yeah. people that want to be on the water when it's nice and warm, and here's land. Last chance. Yeah, so again, um, down at Riverside, right? It's onto landing, puddle boats, canoes, kayaks. Starts at one o'clock, last rental at 630. Of course, cash right. or check. Um, and then we'll close our regular rentals um, until next year for Memorial Day. But right. we do offer self guided fall flow trips. Um, looking a little different this year, and then that won't be starting until the second week in October. Okay. So we've got a little cooler weather, and the thought is we'll have beautiful fall color at that point. Mm -hmm. So those take place Saturday and Sunday. You have to get online and register for those um, the Friday before. We only take a certain amount, and then that goes through the first weekend in November. So it looks a little different. Pedal boats will go away for storage. It's just some canoes and kayaks for that. So if you're like, oh, my gosh, there's no way this weekend because – I get it. I've got football. A lot of going I've got on. Yeah. I've got cross country, of course the fair. There's a lot going on, but just know that you know.
0: Last week for the Santa uh, yes. Landing boat rentals. Yes. Uh, then as we get into the month of September, what is uh, going on?
3: Um, so again, all programs are at HancockParks.com. Um, but starting next Tuesday on September 5th, we're doing a Pollinators in the Park uh, program, and so this will be taking place. Um, at Litchfield Memorial Woods in the south side, so okay. you're going to park in that south parking lot. So if you're on 224, you go past the house, past the main entrance, and then and then use that other south lot to park. And so this is at six o'clock um, in the evening for ages 16 and up. It's free, no registration. But again, um, of course, we do our prescribed burns, which we did out there, so we've got a lot of renewal of flowers and grasses, and so there's just all kinds of activities happening in the, you know, in in that type of habitat. So we'll be talking and looking for bees, wasps, different okay. insects and stuff, those that are pollinating um, our plants. And so this is for Tuesday, September 5th at 6 o'clock at Litsonburg.
0: Should be interesting yep. because those yep. are things that we generally try to avoid. And maybe <laughs> look, and or when you're, well,
3: yeah, I don't need to get up and close with, all <laughs> right, bees and wasps. But, you know, you just don't maybe think or it's just, you know, Right. Everything is outside and you don't, you're not as tuned to, I look for that stuff, but that's me and my job (laughs) that I'm always scanning and, oh, what kind of butterfly is that or what's that and stuff. But right. Just a way to really, you know, get a closer look of what's actually happening. Mm -hmm. Right. And what's, what's on those plants and maybe, right. Learn to Mm -hmm. identify
0: those. Uh, What else uh, we highlight in the uh, month of September?
3: Um, So our... um, Monthly open house at the Discovery Center will be taking place on Sunday, September 10th. And this one's going to be on raptor migration. And so, again, um, like you said, it's kind of with the cooler weather, we're mm-hmm. shortening our daylight. Um, it triggers animals to get ready for that fall season going into winter. And so a lot of those migrate. Um, and all, I've seen bigger groups of, like, turkey vultures are starting to gather up. And so this is a big push for those hawks. Um, and other raptors that don't stick around to kind of gather okay. up and fly south.
0: So it's really the uh, the shorter days, yes. that tree, not the cooler weather. No,
3: because, I mean, we got 90s next week, and then, like, this morning it's nice and cool. So mm-hmm. it's not temperature because Mother Nature's all over the place with that. But really, it's, it's, it's funny because after the first day of summer, we start losing daylight. Mm-hmm. The first day of summer right. has the most daylight, and then you don't notice it until you're like, like now I'm like, oh, the sun's setting by yeah. eight o'clock where it wasn't, I felt like nine o'clock only a couple of weeks right, ago. Right, So it kind of triggers the animals, right?
0: Yeah. They notice it the way we notice it. And okay, that's yeah. interesting so that's, because I think yeah, so most people all, think it's when weather turns cold, they right. migrate, but it's not the cold. It's In a perfect the cold, it does.
3: It slowly gets cooler and cooler yeah. as, fog, as fall approaches, but it's that shortening of daylight for them. And, and a lot of it's eating. A lot of it, animals need to eat because they're going to hibernate. They're going to get fatter or grow thicker fur because you're going to mm-hmm. stay active in the winter yeah. or things are going to migrate. And not just and not just raptors. Yeah. Your warblers and other animals, waterfowl, will do that too. But this will be highlighting, again, um, the different raptors that are living in Ohio. Who might we see? Because some of those we only see during migration. We see them go through in the spring mm-hmm. as they go up to north into Michigan and Canada. And now is the other time we see them as they go south into interesting
0: warmer climates okay. for
3: their winter... Um,
0: Anything else to uh, highlight? In the month of September.
3: Um, and so, uh, getting out in, I guess, into the um, our new wetland area there at Oakwood's Nature Preserve. Um, on Thursday, September fourteenth, we're doing an active adult hike. So this is at ten o'clock, and so this is for those ages fifty and up. Um, we're going to meet at the Discovery Center porch, and again, go out into the wetlands. Um. We still have some prairie flowers that are still blooming, but not only are the leaves changing, but the grasses change colors. So those are kind of bringing, you know, getting their kind of fall um, hues as well. And so, again, a lot of insect activity happening. Um, So this is at 10 o'clock, just kind of seeing what kind of animals are still visiting the wetland, uh, maybe using it as a stopover in their migration south or just hanging out and eating on a normal Thursday morning for them. Very good.
0: Uh, So some of the uh, highlights in the month of September, as you mentioned, all of that programming is up on the uh, website now, right?
3: Yes, HancockParks.com for all of September, and then by the end of this week, October and November, will be on there, so our full fall calendar will be available.
0: Yeah, that's really when we get into October, that's when the leaves uh, really change, and we start to get the colors and all of that. So
3: all all activities and everything happening, yes. So HancockParks.com. And
0: and by the way, uh, with the fair beginning tomorrow, uh, parks going to be at the fair again?
3: Yes, we're going to be at the um, the conservation tent, so it's the tent with the fish tank. Everybody knows where the fish tank is, I think. (laughs) And so we're going to actually set that up today. So we won't be manning it, but we'll have some information about the parks, um, a list of our September programming, information about fall floats, and then hike it. For those that are familiar, we'll be starting this Friday. So check the website for maps and locations on that. Um, but yes lots of information there in the conference
0: all right so uh, make sure you check that out when you're at the fair again michelle rumschlag the uh, hancock park district with us this morning we have the link up at our webpage goodmornings.net michelle thanks very much thanks for having me and that will finish up our podcast for today I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program of course remember you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage goodmornings.net you can also follow us on social media sign up for a the email newsletter and more again goodmornings.net is our little corner of the world wide web that's it for us in the studio this week beginning tomorrow spend the rest of the week at the Hancock County Fair we invite you to join us on location for opening day tomorrow until tomorrow morning that is good mornings for this morning now that you have had a good morning go on out make it a good day catch you at the fair tomorrow